Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Karoom Maruki. Karoom, you are the CEO of Sorry. Crowd Favorite, which is on the web at crowdfavorite.com. Kareem, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Josh. All right. Give us an overview of what Crowd Favorite is. So Crowd Favorite works with large clients, Fortune 500, as well as complex organizations to create what they need to fix digital problems. So at its simplest, we create websites. But realistically, what we're doing is we are integrating what their business needs are to try and solve some of their problems around workflow, dealing with their clients, helping their clients out any way they can. Um, It's gotten more and more complex. It's no longer just about marketing websites out there. Yeah. Um, so what was your approach um, when you launched Crowd Favorite? Uh, like, well, I guess, you know, when did, when did you started this? Uh, January 2014. So congratulations on your longevity. Um, but coming into this, what what precipitated Crowd Favorite? So it's been now 27 years that I've been working with enterprise clients, large mm. organizations in solving digital problems. And one thing that's always been sort of the center of the ethos was dealing with their needs, not dealing with whatever technology they needed. A lot of clients will show up and say, I've heard I need technology X or I need technology Y. And using the consultative approach of actually having deep conversations and not saying on day one, yes, we're going to install solution X to solution Y makes a giant difference. A lot of agencies out there and a lot of marketing or technology companies will say, here's a solution. Tell me about your problem. Instead, we wanted to come along and say, all right, how do we create a bespoke solution for your problem? And we can use off-the-shelf components, but Mm -hmm. really, how do we solve your problem? Not how do we just force technology down your throats? Yeah. So, Kareem, what made you such a proponent of open source? So for many, many years, for almost 15 years, I was working with proprietary systems and and these giant CMS packages, uh, content management packages, and other ways that people were publishing on the internet. And we realized that the more closed that a piece of software is, the more you're stuck with whatever the roadmap is of that piece of software. So... I fell in love with the concept of open source when I realized that it's community-led. Take, for example, the WordPress community. There's over 10,000 people committing code to the WordPress platform. And some of them are literally high school students who are making their blogs. 
their mom and pop businesses who are selling anything on the web. And they're literally the Walt Disney Company who's helping uh, define how to scale WordPress and how to make those things go bigger. So it's just interesting to see the variety that you get and the mm-hmm. openness that you can contribute to in an open source platform. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's, it's the wisdom, wisdom of crowds, right? And it's like, there's so many use cases out there and so many great ideas. You know, if you're counting on a small development team, you know, four or five developers and project manager to know everything that they should be doing. It's like, you know, the, the, the strength in numbers principle is just so powerful. Do you find that there, what, what are the, or maybe, you know, in fairness, you know, what would be, you know, the downsides, when would open source not be appropriate or what would be the inherent um, challenges to an open source architecture? So the, there's a few downsides. The first one is while it was growing, it was constantly being attacked security wise. If you talk to anybody who looked at, at an open source project five, 10 years ago, they'd say the number one problem is security. It's all being hacked. Well, the strength in numbers argument even goes there because now it's such a large community that it's if by some reason, somehow, some piece of code gets put in, it doesn't survive testing. There's too many people testing it. So it's really becoming more and more and more secure as code goes. And then it's about the infrastructure that you put on it. Another drawback might be that the crowd might want to go more in one direction and your clientele or your business might want to go in another. So sometimes it's about adapting the right parts of open source to whatever your project is, right? There are some open source projects out there that I would say anybody who has a small or medium business stay the heck away from because it's too complex for you. The audience is still there. And then there's some types of open source that the market is really, really focused on uh, SMB and you really need to focus on just say, okay, this is maybe right for me. So it's about knowing what the audience is and and understanding where that project is going. But there's a project for just about any audience. Uh, You know, the the logos that you've got on your website, Mitsubishi, NVIDIA, Disney. uh, What does a company like Disney uh, need uh, from from your expertise? Well, um, we first started working with Disney on this particular project in um, 2011, when they had spent the last decade putting literally tens of million do- uh, tens of millions of dollars into proprietary platform, and they said we are just dumping money into a proprietary platform mm-hmm. that we have to maintain ourselves. How can we take advantage of open source? So they they literally said, how do we move all of our public-facing websites to open source? And there was a brief project where everybody looked at the different open source projects and what the alternatives were. And they finally settled on WordPress. And then there was literally a five-year project to just do the architecture for moving their hundreds of thousands of websites from proprietary to open source. Yeah. What uh, what what kind of open source platform specifically? Do you mind sharing? Or can no, 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 no. It's, it's widely known. Uh, they're based on WordPress, and they use WordPress for their small sites that might yes. just have a little bit of internal volume, uh-huh. and they use WordPress for d23.com, which gets 
literally millions of unique visitors. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, at yeah. some point, what what are the technical limit limitations of WordPress? Like, in a, like if you start getting above X, then it's well. But then there are ways that you can run multiple instances of WordPress, or you know, um, I, can can you talk about that? Like, how a big big company can still use WordPress, and it will one it will run well at getting at those more enterprise levels. It's about infrastructure, really. Um, WordPress will run great if you want to start a home business and you literally want to sell coffee mugs out of your kitchen. Mm. It'll run great out of the box on any very reasonable hosting. But then for companies like Disney, when you're talking about that large website, um, they need to put it on a very robust uh, infrastructure. So they're spending a lot of money on hosting, a lot of money on infrastructure. They're spending a lot of money on making sure that the pieces you put into WordPress, all those little plugins and, and themes and other modules that you put in there are all to scale. They're all written in a certain way. So the reason why, for instance, uh, large corporations come to us and say, we have a need and we want to use open source is because we have a proven track record of making sure we're using scalable code and scalable infrastructure. That's the key. So WordPress can do any size. That's a beautiful thing about this project. Wow. Um, then it's just about bolting on the different pieces. WordPress does definitely have a place where it sort of ends when you want to do conditional content personalization, all those wonderful things that get towards more towards a digital experience and more complex platforms. There are pieces that you can actually bolt on to extend that open source package to even compete with companies like Adobe and Sitecore today that have these seven-figure packages. Uh, what about the argument that, you know, I, I could see a, a private software provider making this argument. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to be on WordPress. Too many security uh, issues. You're, you're going to get hacked if you just use WordPress. They, they, make, they try to make that argument all day long. Yeah, and the truth I've is, heard it. Yeah. The, the truth is, if, if you're running a smaller website on, on decent hosting, it's security for obscurity. Um, most hosting companies have decent uh, decent security now. If you have your own security practices of, of a decent password, it has nothing to do with WordPress. It has to do with your own security practices. And then when you go up that ladder of complexity, really you're dealing with companies like ours, companies that 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 have deep infrastructure for security that are taking care of that security for you. It's it's not a matter of the code anymore. It's a matter of the, the, the platform you're on for whatever code you're running. Yeah. Um, I, one thing I noticed as well is that CrowdFavorite has created WordPress plugins. And I've heard that that can be a great lead source by investing money, creating something for the community, giving it away for free. It's a great way to work well i'll let you explain why should someone consider having a wordpress plugin, either designing or acquiring a wordpress plugin and uh making that available so there's such a rich ecosystem and um and just variety of things available if you go to the word the public wordpress repository i believe there's over 60,000 publicly available free plugins 
And a good majority of those are completely free. And then there's the ones that are just sort of tried out. And if you like it, there's sort of a paid version or an add-on version. Um, first of all, there's nothing wrong with just the free ones. Sometimes it has to do with scale, like we were just talking about, or security, or sometimes it has to do with functionality. But there's this giant ecosystem of wanting to create an extension to WordPress that just works out there. And then commercially, if you have another product that can combine into WordPress, the way you do that or can, can, can be used with WordPress, the way to do that is through a plugin. So there's a lot of plugins out there that will connect you to the MarTech 8,000 uh, different types of SaaS systems out there. There's, there's a way to create a plugin to just about connect to anything out there today. And this has become a business for people, as you were just saying. This has become a way for people to say, you know what? There's not a plugin to do X out there. Why don't we do that, right? For in, in our case, we had a lot of clients coming to us and saying, these large complex content management systems have personalization, conditional content pieces where you can customize your website for who's coming to it, depending on a bunch of rules. But those are only available for customers of those seven-figure content management systems. So we went out and we created a, a plugin that lets you do that within WordPress, for instance. And for, I don't know what our, exactly what our retail price is, but for under $500, you can get out there and actually create custom webs custom content on your website. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, what does your team look like today and, and who do you serve and uh, today? And uh, how, are, how are clients, how do you acquire uh, new clients at this point? So our team today is based here in the U.S. and in Europe, mostly. Um, we even we actually even have a developer in Africa at the moment, and we're looking to expand all the time. We are completely remote. Um, one of the beautiful things is, as people are in the pandemic have started talking about remote as a new thing, um, we've been doing it literally for the last 10 years, and we love it. Um, it's been something that's been a lot of fun. We used to have offices before that, and then it slowly just became less and less needed in our particular industry, and now it's becoming a norm. Um, our team is diverse between folks who um, are up and coming and just want to get ahead in this industry, and a lot of folks who um, have been at it for years like I have and, and want to share their experience with, with clients. Yeah. Um, and do you advertise or are you doing anything like that? Do you need to do that? Most of our work does come from referrals or word of mouth yeah. because of our particular market. Um, we do put out some content we're found in within our industry because we're sort of specialized. So we don't do a lot of, uh, a lot of outbound at the moment. It's just sort of um, what we're known for. Yeah. And your website is, again, it's crowdfavorite.com. When somebody goes there, um, first off, is there, what would you say is like the smallest, uh, you know, jobs that you'll typically do? I'm just wondering, like, who would make a great fit for you at this point? We have quite a few uh, clients who are literally considered startups. Um, they come to us and they say, hey, we're starting up and we need a particular function done on, on a website that 
isn't just marketing. It goes that next level of integrating into any amount of things from a SaaS product to their own idea to some specific business process that makes it complex to publish content on the web. They come to us. Um, we have a lot of a lot of clients who would be considered sort of the, the small medium enterprise who are competing with a Fortune 500 um, and, and want to say, okay, I, you know, using the old, I want to be like Mike uh, mm -hmm. analogy. They're like, all right, you've been successful with some of the largest brands. How can you help us get ahead in a digital transforma transformation? Um, we have a lot of clients like that. And then we have our marquee clients that we've been working with for years that are recognizable name brands um, that sort of just help, uh, help. They're the, the proof in the pudding of what we've been doing, so to speak, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So your website, again, crowdfavorite.com. Um, when someone goes there, what should they click on? What should they do? Uh, please just get in touch with us. Um, we, Our projects are so varied. It, it, it's just about literally jumping on a call and having a conversation. We are happy to talk with anybody about their project. And hey, if we're not a good fit, we've got a good ideas of, of who could be a good fit. Um, we've been in the business for years and uh, we're well known among our peers. So we uh, we do do a lot of partnering. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Again, Kareem Maruki, thank you so much for joining us here. The CEO of Crowd Favorite found on the web at crowdfavorite.com. Thanks, Kareem. Thank you, Josh. Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to UpMyInfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show.